This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course, Dr. Kernaz and James Howard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And gents, it was a tricky choice for you this week. Do you watch your beloved Palace win a game of football? But if you do, you keep Brighton up. Or do you roll over, watch your team lose and perhaps have a hand in their relegation? Roy was having none of it. It was a strong team, a confident performance and a 3-2 win for the Eagles. Yeah, um, I was happy for once. <laughs> Saturday we played some good football going forward. We looked dangerous. Um, it, was, it was a Cardiff side who were desperate. So I think it went uh, as expected, really. There were spaces from in midfield and also in defence. And yeah, we took uh, our chances... Well, not all of them, but we took three of them at least and got them three vital goals. And yeah, it was a com- it wasn't I wasn't really worried about losing the game at any point to be fair. Yeah, it was a comfortable win, wasn't it really? Yeah. I know it ended up with a close result 3-2, but I felt, you know, obviously it was an own goal which was a unlucky mistake, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, I felt comfortable throughout watching the whole game. Um and by the way everyone, if you remember last week I said I wasn't sure I was going to see it. Well, I actually did get did get home in time. To watch, yeah. to watch and more to importantly watch. you didn't have the results spoilt for you I didn't is... have the results spoilt for me which is fantastic uh, got to do the swimming um, drove home without putting any radio on or getting any messages uh, sat down had a bit of dinner and watched the game as live but yeah it was <laughs> it was fantastic I really enjoyed that that's game. impressive I, I said it before <laughs> that's so impressive it was a cracking game as well to get to see particularly without having it spoiled and one thing we've called for a lot on this show is for Roy to perhaps mix things up Try a couple of new people, perhaps even try a new system. What did you make of the lineup against Cardiff? Um, I wasn't really that surprised um, with 
Joe Ward coming in, for instance, uh, for Patrick Van Aanholt. He was... Uh, Van Aanholt came into the side, of course, last week, um, which some people criticised Roy for as they felt like it was a bit harsh on Joe Ward. So I was not surprised that he came back into the side. And then, yeah, it was it was a normal 4-4-2 formation, but Wilf was out wide. And I think that played a big role as well, as I know we'll talk about it in a second, but Wilfred Zaha, for me, he's he's a winger. He's not a striker. And that's where he's most dangerous from. Yeah, I've been hoping that Roy sort of had a chance to experiment a bit. And uh, yeah, it was great to see Wilf back out wide. And a lot of people that I spoke to and saw messages on media were saying that they he was their man of the match um so yeah it was great and having two strikers uh up front we just looked so so good going forward and that was something we'd been calling for wasn't it that we wanted to see perhaps two people operate together if it is successful and it certainly looked good at the weekend does that make the importance of Batshuayi sticking around even more significant because a two-striker formation requires you to have more in your squad than just Wickham, Benteke and Sorloth. I think so, but then again, with uh, Batshuayi, I don't know if Roy likes the idea of playing Batshuayi and Benteke up front because he's had the opportunity before uh, when Benteke wasn't injured. Of course, this week um, he was dropped for Jordan Ayew uh, due to an injury, but he still didn't go with it. So I'm not too sure if he likes the idea of that. But then again, Batshuayi, you saw it like once again. If he gets the chances, he will score. And what we do is we don't... We make sure that the striker has to work for it. And, you know, when he... You saw it with Jordan I and Batshuayi combination. When Batshuayi did get the chance, he scored. And I think we need a striker of that calibre. So I think it will be very good if we could bring him back to Selhurst. But... I don't see it happening um, due to the financial position that we're in. You think he's going to be too expensive? Yeah, I think so. Um, Mm. I just don't see Chelsea selling him for too cheap. Yeah, I I definitely would sign him up if if we had the opportunity and we had the money. How much would you pay? I mean, firstly, how much do you think Chelsea are going to try and sign? But secondly, for you as fans, given how good he was for you, the affection you have for him as well, what's your upper limit in terms of what you'd be willing to shell out? Uh, well, me personally, I think 20 to 25. And realistically, in this market, there's players that go for a crazy amount. So I think for Batshuayi, where he has come in in January and scored considerable amount of goals, I think he's done good. 20 to 25, realistically. And I think Chelsea might push that to like 30 million. I could see that happening. And if that's the case, then even 20 to 25, we might not be able to go for him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not really the player that you can guarantee sort of 15 goal a season, mm. which is what everyone's after. But I think he potentially he, he could get 15 goals in one season. And it could be for us if he signs for us. Money-wise, what would, what would I suggest they would pay for him? I'd probably go to 30 million, actually. But it's the thing, can we afford that? Yeah, you I'll, have to do a bit of. We're going to talk me, later yeah, in the show yeah. about making a little uh, bit money of surgery. Available. To yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get the scalpel out. In terms of whether or not they can afford it, if they were to go for Batch White, how would you view that? Would you see that as an encouraging sign from the club because they've been going for players who have played in the Premier League, who know the division, or do you think it would be lazy scouting? Because we've seen teams in the Premier League, in the Championship, across Europe 
have success for a lot less money than 30 million quid by getting a bit cleverer with their scouting, a bit cleverer with their recruitment. Would you like to see your net casting a bit wider? We're hearing West Ham go for the likes of Andrea Bellotti, Maxi Gomez. Bachelet is one option, but what about looking at Germany, at Spain, at Italy? Yeah, well, we've done that with Sorloth and, you know, we've, we've that spent... That well. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got <laughs> to be very, very careful. Uh, I mean, maybe we were looking at the wrong, the wrong, the players from the wrong leagues. I mm. mean, we should probably be looking at players that are, are playing in Germany or Italy or Spain. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that I've said before, it can take a player a season to bed into the Premiership, what with the pace of the game and, and the physicalness. So you know with Batshuayi that he's used to it. Uh, so there's got to be a premium for that. And I think, you know, we have to be prepared to pay a bit more uh, over the top because of that. So that's probably why I'm thinking, well, yeah, you're, DR, you're probably right. Maybe he's worth 20, 25 million, but you're paying a premium. Uh, maybe you'd have to push to 30. I don't know. Yeah, but then again... Um... I feel like but I'd rather have Batshuayi right now as in Roy's system um, he has proved himself that you know it could work out for him um, He we've seen that with strikers they're, they're normally isolated and it has been the case for Batshuayi and Benteke as they're not involved in the game too much but Batshuayi when he gets a chance as I've said he scores the goals and I think that's pretty much that someone, we need someone just like that mm. nothing else really Is there also an element of the devil you know in the sense that Batshuayi hasn't set the world alight for Palace, but he's looked competent, he has scored goals. You know he's not going to flop completely, or he's very unlikely to flop completely. Yeah, I think that plays a part as well, because we're in a position where we're trying to keep our best players um, in Zaha, Wan-Bissaka, Sacco, and the list goes on. And we, we need to bring players in who have really proved themselves whereas if we go maybe in the German league and get someone who's who we don't know as much it doesn't really send a positive message to the rest of the squad really so I feel like that's another reason why uh, that's another reason to keep back away it's just it shows that the club is actually ambitious and they're trying despite being in a bad financial position yeah, and and we're it's still early days of Batshuayi. We're still getting to understand how, yeah. when he plays well, what system works for him and for us. And quite obviously, you know, if he's got another striker up there with him, I think that that's where you know you get the best out of him. And he's very, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's pretty clinical in front of goal. Yeah, and that we've been missing that from a lot of players recently. And I think the most encouraging moment so far from Batshuayi in a Palace shirt was the goal against Watford in the FA Cup, where actually he wasn't getting any service mm. and he just nicked the ball off the defender and scored yeah. and was actually saying you know what even if I'm going to be isolated if it is going to be tough as a striker I'm just going to do this myself and he's, a player who can take a game by the scruff of the neck is very very valuable exactly and he's done that against uh, I remember the goal against Leicester uh, Leicester game he's been I've, I'm I may be over some people may think that I'm over exaggerating but honestly if you look at our strikers and just focus on them whether that's Benteke or Batshuayi they're just so not in the game because of how we play and as you like Batshuayi when he has had the chances he has put them in and it just goes down to that it's not about anything else because strikers in our club especially in Roy's system all they need to do is finish and maybe Benteke hasn't been that person and Batshuayi has been so it's just simple as that Batshuayi can score in Roy's system and that's all that matters especially for us We've struggled to score goals all season long at home. So maybe next season with Batshuayi at home, that could help that as well. 
And one of the benefits of clever strikers like Batshuayi and physical strikers like Benteke is supposed to be that they're a goal threat off set pieces. Then why haven't Palace been succeeding from corners? Why haven't they been succeeding from free kicks? We'll be asking that question in just a moment. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and Dr. Kernaz and James Howard of Back of the Nest. Now, when you're competing in the middle of that Premier League table, it's all about fine margins. As we've discussed on this show before, each place is worth a good million quid plus. So yeah. it's important to take advantage of every area you can, particularly the areas that are supposedly easier to exploit. The one thing that we always get told a manager can work on and work on and solve straightforwardly on the training pitch is those set pieces. You should be able to drill a team so that they won't concede them and will score them. But for Palace... This just isn't working. Ranked 19th in the Premier League in terms of goal scoring from set pieces. Only got eight goals, only one at home. Where's it going wrong? It's just, well, you look at Saturday's performance um, and look at who was taking the set pieces. It was Luca, and he just had an off day. But then again, there has been, I, I remember speaking about this before and at home games as well. Our set pieces this season, it seems like we're not really focused on it, maybe in the training ground. As the way that we're taking them and the outcomes from it, it's just very poor. It seems like we don't really practice it. So do you think it's the manager not getting intelligent set pieces set up? Or is there just a problem with delivery? Because I look at that Palace squad and you've got Luka Milivojevic, you've got Andros Townsend. There are players there who should be dangerous from dead ball situations. Yeah, I don't seem to see any drills that, you know, sometimes you can watch a game and you can see that there's been like a plan or yeah. a drill that they've worked on during the week. I remember, you know, under Tony Pulis and Sam Allardyce, it, we would score lots of goals from set pieces. Sam Allardyce loves a sophisticated yeah. set piece. Yeah. <laughs> Big lad in the box, whack it in the air, 1-0. But it, exactly, and I, I, I really don't think that, that Roy is, is that type of manager that's looking at set pieces to, to win you games by 1-0. And, uh, you know, the, the, the season or the second part of the season, we, we stayed up under Pulis. We were literally winning 1-0 a week, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, the thing that Roy does do is he looks at the other side in set pieces. So I remember when we were we're facing City at home and in corners he'll put three players or four players at the edge of the box so they're ready to defend against the counter-attack so it seems like he focuses on the defensive side of set pieces but I, I know what you mean by just normal like our set pieces that it seems like we don't really practice it there's there's nothing really there that says oh, all right look he made that run like it's just so it's like a normal set piece he just takes a corner and then whoever tries to get ahead on it just can but that's that's pretty much it. Like we focus on the defensive end of set pieces, so, but more than attacking. So what you're kind of saying is, what he might be doing is just focusing on the counter attack more. Yeah. So he's saying, look, we're not going to try and score a particular fancy freak, fancy set piece here. But what we want to do is defend and get you guys ready for the counter attack. Yeah, against the big sides as well. Like against the big sides, I understand, of course. But it just it's weird. <laughs> like you're not other side, like. You're so close to scoring as a set piece. Take advantage of it, but you're focusing more on defending from a set piece that you're trying to score from. It just sounds weird, like. Mm. But yeah, perhaps it, it, it comes back to that same old complaint, Dia, that you've been levelling at <laughs> yeah. Roy. That perhaps he's a bit worried about things being safe. That's not to say that Palace can't produce moments of excitement. There mm. were plenty in that three-two win yeah. over Cardiff. A lot of them 
came, of course, from a certain Mr. Wilfred Zaha. Not just a glorious goal, but very, very creative for other people as well. Dangerous with stepovers, jinking runs down the line. Is that where you see him at his strongest? We discussed this in passing at the beginning of the show. You said, DR, for you, he's very definitely a winger. For James, do you prefer him in a central role? No, I, I prefer him a little bit out wide, actually, and a, a bit of a free role. Um, and, uh, you know, then you've got, maybe then you've got better delivery um, for those guys in, that are playing up front. And, of course, you know, having the two strikers up front and having not just Wilf on one side, but then Townsend on the other you've got the trickery that goes with it. So it's pulling the defence out of the central position because, you know, Wilf will need probably a couple of players to, to close him down at yeah. least. And so that frees up the likes of um, Batshuayi or Ayu. Uh, but we, I, I think, you know, it's it highlighted on, in the media that, that we had an abundance of, 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 of attacking players out there and it was a joy to watch. Now, whether we can get away with it against any other team Cardiff obviously yeah, went exactly. down they're a weaker team that they're, they're, they're not particularly confident um what I was what I'm disappointed is in is that that we seem to be you know doing this away from home but I would have liked to have seen this kind of formation at home I was thinking about that and I still don't think it would work at home in a way because there was just so much freedom when going forward and at home that's really the issue it's the fact that the opponents, the opponents set, 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 yeah, they set up differently and they sit back and Zaha won't have all that space and Townsend won't have all that space that's why I feel like we have been doing this at home and it hasn't been working and we need to change it up mm. with this phenomenon of Zaha being shunted into a central role he's not the only star player for a Premier League club we've seen this from so for example, Aiden Hazard has been used as a false mm. nine and sometimes just a nine by Maurizio Sarri as at Chelsea. Now you can see why managers do this. You go, you're my best attacking player. I want you front and centre. I want you running at the defence. I want you to be as focal a threat as you can be. But do you think managers are making an error there in potentially nullifying their best attacking threats by going, well, you're a brilliant forward, so you must be a centre forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, you can go way back to Thierry Henry, who was a winger, and then they put him up front as a forward, and he was brilliant. And then you can look at Barcelona, where Gary Lineker went, and he was a striker and was put out wide on the right. It happened to Henry as well. When he went to Barcelona, they stuck him out on the left, and he was much less good. Yeah, so so they've got managers that are shoehorning these players into positions that just, frankly, are not going to work for them. Um, So... It is trial and error, but I think over the course of the season, or even more than the season, it's. I feel that Zaha is a better wide player than being your main focal point up front. And probably on evidence, we can say a few weeks ago, he did miss a couple of pretty good chances. Yeah. And, and, and I think that if Batshuayi was in that position, he, he would have taken those. Yeah, I just feel like when he is out wide, as James mentioned, that it drags other players as well. And you get double team and triple team at times and that just leaves spaces open in the middle. So it helps both ways. I just see him as someone who could beat the defender and just, you know, give give the ball. Just like uh, for our first, I think it was our second goal where he passed it to Jordan I and Jordan I gave it to Batshuayi. It all started out wide from Wilfred Zaha. With that little jink. Yeah, exactly. So he can do that and he can give that odd pass and 
basically getting assists. And I think that's that's where his strengths lie. He needs to stay out there. And crucially, he needs to stay out there for Crystal Palace. Coming up on the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, we've got Andy Gray, former Palace star, on the line. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and Dr. Kernaz and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And it's been quite a Crystal Palace-themed day all round here on Love Sport Radio because it was delightful earlier listening to, of course, Richard Lee and Patrick Christie's on the drive show, half past three till seven, Monday to Thursday here on Love Sport because they had a name that you might be familiar with on the show. A certain Mr Ian Holloway came on to give his thoughts on the state of the championship at the moment and of course on the state of Crystal Palace and he had some quite interesting thoughts on Wilfred Zaha let's hear what he had to say getting Wilfred back was absolutely vital trying to settle him down because everybody wanted him and they were all rumours about it and to, to sell him and then loan him back I think that's what got us up in the first place because Wilf was having his head turned everywhere but what a wonderful player and, and if you put him in a team because he's such a terrific athlete as well. If you put him in a team that keeps the ball and keeps the ball and manipulates the ball and and you want them to get to the final third to do something special, then why couldn't he play for the very, very best? In my opinion, he could. Mm. If Liverpool wanted to add him, if Man City wanted to add him, I would honestly, if any one of them rung me, I would say the kid's good enough. Wilfred is uh, he's an absolute genius. I have to say that. and And I believe he's getting better the older he gets. The more mature he gets, um, I, I can see him playing for a top, top club. And if, if Crystal Palace really want to become a top, top club, then they've got to try and find a way to keep him in my Wonderful stuff from Ian Holloway there, former Crystal Palace manager on Love Sports Drive show, which is with Richard Lee and Patrick Christie's half three till seven every Monday to Thursday. Of course, Ewan Thomas steps in on a Friday in glorious style. Obviously, no Palace fan is going to want Wilfred Zaha to leave the club. But did you agree with what he was saying, that actually this is a guy with enough talent to do it for the very, very best clubs in world football? Yeah, I think so. You've seen it. Um, other teams recognise his talents as well. Um, you can see it by the transfer rumours. He's we, we value him very highly um, in terms of money, like around six, uh, me personally, around 60 million because he's... From, he, he's 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 worth that much for me. Uh, we're losing Wilfred Zaha. You saw it against. I know it was against Cardiff, but he's had. He's the person who orchestrates the attack, and losing him will be massive. And I won't be surprised if clubs come in in the summer. 
it's expected that there's always been them rumours uh, every summer really with Wilfred Zaha, uh, but we have to try to keep him. I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by former Palace star Andy Gray. Evening, Andy. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Where do you stand on Wilfred Zaha? We just heard from Ian Holloway, who was saying, listen, this is a kid who could do it for the very, very elite of world football. Do you think he's up to that level? Well, you can only be up to that level if you get thrown into that pond. So he hasn't been in that pond. He's the big fish in a small pond. So only time will tell. Do you think it's likely that we'll see him moving pond in the summer, Andy? Um, If the money's right, the club should take it because one player's not bigger than the club. And if he did go, the problem, of course, is even if the money is glorious, even if you do get that 60 million, 70 million quid, do you think the club will be able to attract a player of comparable quality to replace him? Well, I think, listen, I, I look at it from a different perspective. The kid was brought up as a youngster, so he's a homegrown player. So there's a difference. It's not like someone spotted him at 20 and said, this guy's going to be a superstar. You know, he was brought through the Palace way, <clears throat> so he's got the Palace ment- mentality. So if they got 60, 70 million for him, like the way I look at football, I would go out and get the best from each division at the right age for them to kick on. Yeah, Andy, hi there. Um, I... Um... I'm hoping, and I think a lot of fans at Palace are hoping that he's going to be our kind of Matt Letizier that just ends up staying at the club for the rest of his career. I mean, you're right. I, he Apparently, when he was a kid, he used to play football out on the street behind the Homestale Road end because that's where he lived. And he's Palace through and through, and he, he had his big chance. Uh, he was obviously very young at the time, went to Man United, was a, probably a bit homesick, didn't really get on quite well with everybody. Uh, in and out the team and that must have really hurt him and, and really shook his confidence um, and yeah he, he he is a big player for us um, I I would wonder what, what you felt that you valued him at because for me he's so valuable um, that I think my price to sell him is considerably more than what other clubs would want to buy and I just think that's where I why I wouldn't sell because I think we we personally know how to get the best out of him. We know how to look after him. can be a little bit temperamental. We know how to look after him. And that's why I value him uh, considerably more than probably what other what other teams would, would pay. So what would you say, bearing in mind he is a Palace through and through, what, and second time round, what would you say we have to sell him for? What would be your price? <clears throat> well, listen, all the things that you said are correct. When you go to a new, it's like buying a new house. The guy could have spent a million pound on refurbishing. As soon as you go in there, you think, mm, no, not my type. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's horses for courses. And when you go for big money, you know, you're, you're treated like everybody else that you've got to perform. So, it's a, so, so the own comforts are completely thrown out of the window. It's like when I left Palace, and I went to all, the, all these big clubs. I never felt at home. But when I came back to Palace, it was like a relief because I, I knew every 
everybody there, knew every crook and cranny of the club. So, listen, if they got 60, 70 million for him, they should, like, drive him there. Do you know what I mean? And then basically rebuild, because you can't every year be talking about Wilf at Crystal Palace, are we going to sell him or not? Football's changed. Matthew Letizia, believe me, if it was today's football, they would have got 100 million for the kid. Yeah, so, he, was, he was exceptional, wasn't he? Um, I, I, I'm a little bit reluctant. I, I know maybe, yeah, we value, maybe Wilf is valued at about maybe 60 million now. Um, but I, I wouldn't want him to go for, for that. I'd want him to stay. Um, I got a, a message uh, from someone that I know called Ian Forrest, and he met uh, in touch with somebody that knows the club, our club very well, and, and he had a has had a chat with Wilf and he said, oh, I'm not going anywhere. So uh, I'm happy with that. You're going to say that though, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, another um, just question on the summer base. The season's basically done. We've got Bournemouth. Um, do you think Palace should bring, you know, sell lots of players and bring in lots of new players or do you think we should just keep with the squad and let's see what happens next year? Um, do you think this squad is capable enough of finishing in top 10? <clears throat> Listen, at the end of the day, we haven't got a lot of players to sell. So even like you guys are like ardent Crystal Palace fans, and you know sometimes I mean obviously I look I look at the at the club outside the picture. Mm. So if I said to you in a pub, how many players could we sell and, and generate big money? I think you can count them on one hand, if that. Mm. What about? Um... So, what about uh, Roy Hodgson? Keep him for next summer? Keep him for another year or two? Or do you think I should bring in someone else? Me, personally, <clears throat> I think I would bring someone else in because you know Roy's tactics. Mm. You know, so at the end of the day, <laughs> nothing's going to change from that perspective. And I'm not pensioning him off, but he's not like 45 or 50. He's in his 70s. So even if you brought someone in to kind of take the reins over like halfway through the season, I think that's that would be good planning. Mm. Well, an interesting I, potential change. Could be all change, Andy, of course. If we're getting rid of Zaha, we're getting rid of Hodgson, it could be a new look Palace next season all round. Thank you ever so much for your time. Lovely to speak to you. Andy Gray there, former Palace star with interesting views, it has to be said, on Wilfred Zaha and Roy Hodgson. Time for a bit of innovation, perhaps, on the managerial front. Mm. And also, if the money's good, you take it, even for your star man. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't like to, but then again... I'm going to say it again, we're not in a good financial position. So if if a club comes with 60 million, which I doubt it, because we, as you said, James, we value him around that much. But then again, do other clubs see him as a player who's worth 60 million? I'm not too sure. We'll see in the summer because last summer nothing really happened. Uh, we'll see We'll see this summer. But it also depends on wealth because, okay, football... Of course, it's the biggest factor that you have to consider. But outside of football, he seems like he's genuinely happy living in South London with his family around him. And that's something else that you need to consider as well because end of the day, he's a human and he might want to play for a Champions League club, might want to play in Europa League. But his family matters as well. So 
that's another thing you have to consider. I think I think that's a really good point. It's something we don't often consider enough as yeah. football fans, where we just think from ourselves for being a footballer is such an obvious dream for us. You think, well, if Real Madrid come in, you've got to go. You don't think, well, can I speak Spanish? What are the schools like? Does the food agree with me? So many different questions. And all our focus seems to be on Wilfred Zahar, but he's not the only twinkle-toed attacker on those Crystal Palace books. And coming up, I think it's time that just desserts are given to Andros Townsend. This is Love Sport. It's Johnny Burrow here on Love Sport Radio for your Crystal Palace fan show, joined by the wonderful D.R. Kernaz and James Howard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And Vincent Company hit the headlines last <laughs> night when Manchester City needed a man to step up. It was the captain with a captain's goal and what a goal, an absolute screamer into that top right-hand corner. Interesting because prior to that, the potential goal of the season was scored against Manchester City by a certain Mr Andros Townsend. He's been bubbling along quietly, not stealing the headlines, partly because, of course, of the brilliance of Wilf, of Aaron Wambisaka. But actually, he's had quite a handy little season. 44 appearances, 8 goals, 4 assists, some of them off the bench as well, and just always looks a handful. Yeah, he does. I feel like... At the start of the season, well, earlier on in, in the season, he had one or two bad games. Uh, but as the season went on, if you if you actually look at the numbers, forty four appearances, that's a huge amount of toll on you physically because that, that is a lot of minutes and a lot of games, and that's been the case for Andrew Townsend. And you can see it by the last couple of games. He he didn't start against no, he, he didn't start against. Everton at home. He's he's come off the bench for a couple of Premier League appearances now because he just played so much football that physically he's just I don't think he can continue starting games and eight goals and four assists of course assists you uh, you want that number to go up a bit um, I think Andrew Townsend was talking about it last week but I don't know exactly what he said but on the lines of he wants to he wants to score more goals which he can do and I'm interested to see what he does next season because he's got it in him so hopefully next season if he's if he doesn't play lots of minutes and is more fresh, then he could get in more goals. And do you think that he would be able to step up? I mean, we've got to be realistic. We could be looking at a Crystal Palace next year that doesn't have Aaron Wambisaka, that doesn't have Wilfred Zaha. Do you think in the absence of a Wilf, obviously other players would need to come in, but could Townsend step up, fill that void personally? I, uh, I don't see anyone really filling in the void of Wilf because he's just on another level personally. It's not criticism towards Andros Townsend or anyone on the team. I just feel like there's a reason why we value Wilf 60 million and no one else in our squad because he's just that good for us. And so I wouldn't really expect Andros Townsend to fill in Wilf's role. Um, I wouldn't expect anyone, but yeah, I think you could get a few more goals in him. Um do you know from where Andros was, you know, many years ago, he's been a journeyman really up until recently. He yeah. he went out on loan to so many clubs in the past and he was very inconsistent. Even, you know, I think he's had that back end of the season at Newcastle where he had a good season. Um, but he, he has always had a bit of inconsistency in his game, um, but he is a very, very good player. I think that the difference is now is that we are, he is improving his game so much that he is, the consistency part is improving it's a bit like he was always picked 
for England and he did really well when he came on and played for England. Yeah. And well, why doesn't he do that at club level? That was always the, the, the argument. But he kept retaining his place for England because he did it for England. Uh, I forget who the manager was at the time, but he, 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 he kept his place. I think what Andros has done now is, is he's proved to uh, the club and the manager that, that he is far more consistent than he was. And we're getting a lot more out of him. But again, I do agree that he's not on the same level as Wilf. He won't really command mm. a game, drag the ball, and win. You know, win penalties and as much as he, he as, as Wilf does. So, so yeah, he's an excellent player, and he will do a good job for us next season. But I don't honestly believe he can replace Wilf. Yeah, and also another thing about Andrew Townsend. You talked about consistency. I think it really changed for him his career at Palace when. Alan Pardew left because during Alan Pardew era, there was that talk that Andros wasn't happy playing on the left-hand side. I think it was. There was just issues like that. And then when Sam Allardyce uh, came in, that's Andros's career just changed massively. He's he's now been more of a consi- consistent player from then on. And I feel like you could. It just shows how much managers managers can impact players. You just saw Andros Townsend, a player who didn't really seem happy at Palace to one now where we can rely on week in week out and yeah I think you have to give credit so to that's him. a positive thing yeah, that's Roy positive, Hodgson's yeah, done isn't yeah, it yeah exactly Roy Hodgson Sam Allardyce they've got the best out of Andros yeah. without meaning to ruin a positive mood <laughs> I think we do have to touch as well on Joel Ward mm. who did seem to be exposed a couple of times, particularly in the second half. There were good crosses coming in from that left-hand side. He wasn't cutting them out. Do we give him leeway? Because when he fills in for Patrick Van Arnholt, he is a right-footed player playing at left wing-back. Or do we say, you know what? You're playing there. Sort it out. The most fundamental thing as a fullback is you stop that cross. You know, ideally, we haven't. it is a bit of a weak link for us on that left, uh, left side, uh, defensively, going forward. Not such a problem when PVA is playing, but we know that we probably in the league. I would argue that we've probably got the strongest right back, but we've got the weakest left <laughs> yeah, back. It's exactly. ridiculous. Um, and I said the last home game, you know, all the attack in the first half was going on the right hand side, which was I think uh, PVA was 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 defending that that game. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's difficult because he's missed quite, Wardy's missed quite a few games this season. Uh, yeah. Undoubtedly, he's not always the first he's not the first choice so he's had to step in and and he's also playing out of position in a way because he's really a right back isn't he yeah, so he's, a right back. he's covering for somebody else so he's playing out of position he's doing a really good job and i think it's harsh to really criticize him too much um but yeah up against a maybe a, a top 10 side um we could have struggled even more. Yeah, I think Joel Ward, even when he's playing right back, he has struggled with crosses. And that's what I think with Joel Ward, the person who just, for some reason, can't stop crosses coming into the box. He's just not good in that end. And you Always saw what you want in a wing. Back, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then on the um, in the second half, he got exposed. I think Neil Warnock got the best out of Joel Ward. He knew how Joel Ward defends, and he just told his team to go and attack him, and it worked work out well. And Cardiff created lots of chances in the second half. If they had any decent players um, with all due respect they could have probably scored a couple can't with you? all due respect yeah, 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 they don't have is. any decent players yeah honestly I, with Cardiff I'm surprised that they even came this far and was able to stay up till only last week I thought they'll go down 
20th place. And no, I'll confess that I did as well. I said on air that I thought the- Cardiff were going to get absolutely annihilated this season. Yeah. I saw them actually rivaling Derby for being the worst side exactly. ever. Exactly, because if you actually look at the squad, they got a championship squad. It wasn't even so much that. It was the fact that they came up from the championship with a 57% pass completion rate. <laughs> and actually, I don't call that football. I exactly. call that pinball. Exactly. Yeah, and Neil's... I don't think Neil's really a, a proven premiership manager but he's done so uh, yeah he's been in the premiership obviously but uh yeah i, I kind of feel that he's more of a championship manager to be honest yeah i think his record is he's never kept the team up in the premier league mm. but mm. yeah I've, i'm he, pretty he sure must have done i'm sure he has at some point i'm pretty sure he's, i heard that from the commentator oh well i suppose it depends on the commentator. we can check it out we can we can check it out in, i in think you're right i think you're right Dion. yeah he's certainly a maestro of getting them out of the championship exactly that's for sure yeah exactly but he's done a fantastic job but going back on joel wood and cardiff <laughs> um yeah i think he's he done a decent job he did the best he could I, I feel like and if you're asking me whether i'd rather have patrick van arnholt starting on the left hand side of joel wood right now we've only got one game so there isn't <laughs> there isn't a lot to go um I'd rather start probably Patrick Wanano next week. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it sounds crazy, but just give him one game before the season ends and then let him go off in the summer and relax. He had the game off against Cardiff. You don't want to sit him too much because you could it could end up in a player overthinking it and it could damage him even more if you just keep sitting him in games. Yeah, I I think that the game is quite important on Saturday because I think they could overtake us for that position yeah. in the league. In terms of money, I I, yeah. I saw it was between we could end up getting 19 million or 15 million, which doesn't sound a lot, but that is still that is still yeah that, it's a decent that, amount. It's not a negligible amount of money. We've had a tweet into the show from Paul James who says, "Enjoying the show, lads. Great to hear Andy Gray talk too." I was thinking if I was a Palace fan, I'd been listening to Andy, although I'd idolise him. I'd be thinking, Andy, let's let's calm down. Let's come back. <laughs> Let's keep Wilfred here and not get overexcited. If you'd like to get in touch, if what I've just said is rubbish, you can do so on 0208 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Coming up, it's time for winners and losers. This is Love Sport. The Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernas and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And of course, the biggest winner against Cardiff was Crystal Palace. Very straightforward. Three points for the Eagles. Another massive winner, quietly, as much as we don't like to admit it, was the Seagulls, safe in the Premier League for at least another year. But who are your losers in terms of the players in that Palace team who didn't quite perform to the lofty standards you expect? I think Jordan Ayew, in a way that it's it's weird with him. It seems like he uh, there was one play where he just picked the ball up in midfield and brilliant run, and then it comes to the final third, and it seems like his brain just stops working. He just turns around. It's like, it's not what you expect from a striker. From a striker, you expect to go past in the final third, the last few defenders and score, but he just stops and just looks around and just loses the ball. He's just confusing and. It might sound harsh, but if I had to pick a loser, I think it has to be Jordan I for me anyways. Without meaning to ask a rather unsubtle question, mm. is Jordan I just not very good at football? <laughs> that's harsh. Yeah, that, that, that's I, harsh. I think he's all right. I, I think he's okay. He's linking up the play. Well, there was that rumour that four million, he could come to us potentially four million. I'll take that. Even though I said I was, he's a decent squad player, but he's not a starter in the Premier League. How many goals has he scored? Well, two. 
too. And well, what, as far what, as I can what, remember, what Grimsby at home. Play? Grimsby at home, so we can get rid of that one. Striker. He's a striker and he's got one goal that isn't oh. against Grimsby at home. Yeah. Okay. But I, know, no, I, know I, I, I take what you mean, that you need these players in your squad. But for me, every time I watch Jordan Ayew play football, I just think, get me on, Roy. Get me <laughs> on, because I can do that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not so bad. I mean, my, my, I felt that there were other players that, that didn't play as well. I mean, Kelly, obviously. Yeah, that angle. That. I mean, whose fault was that? Agent I, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was watching it on the TV and, and they were kind of blaming the keeper for coming out wow. a bit too early. But I think it's Kelly. He should, yeah. have wrapped his, he should have wrapped his leg and ankle around that ball okay. and cleared it. Well, arguably, aren't they both at fault? Because what you need there, surely, is communication. No. Either Kelly is absolutely screaming Kelly's, if that's what he chooses to shout, and taking ownership, or the keeper is doing so. Because if your centre-half and your goalkeeper both come for the same ball, neither of them have called properly. Yeah, I know. But even if you just look at the... The own goal. It was a good finish from Kenny. Like, I don't think even if the centre was in goal, he might have struggled to stop that out. Because Should we swap him with Jordan Ayew? Well, to be fair, they've got basically the same amount of Premier League goals this season. <laughs> I think on a good day, nine out of ten times, he would have cleared that. He would have got his foot round, wrapped around it. And, there was another situation in the second half as well where he needed yeah. to score the own goal. I don't, uh, just Kelly, he just wanted Brighton to go down and I respect him for that. But it just didn't happen. <laughs> Is that going, no, Roy, I'm sorry. <laughs> they yeah. are going. Do you feel sorry for him? Because it's the kind of own goal that Jamie Carragher used to do a very good line in as well, bless him, where actually it's your positive instincts as a defender that lead to you scoring it. He's decided there that he has to get a foot in. He has to make an interception. He does that, and he's actually quite unlucky that it ends up in his own net. Yeah, he was on, he was the wrong side of the ball, so his starting position was, was unfortunate. So, you know, it, it, for a defender to go backwards and try and sort of wrap, it, wrap his leg around the ball is very difficult. So, you know, I I do have sympathy for him, but maybe his positional positional uh, play was, was, was all set up incorrectly and he should have been prepared for that. Yeah, he's had good games this season. Just last week, I remember there were people saying, oh, maybe Wilf's head is not in it when he had a bad performance. We Sometimes as fans, we can overreact. It, just, it was just one of them games where he wasn't at it. Of course, the own goal was unfortunate. He could have scored another own goal um, going for a hat-trick, but it didn't happen. So I won't overreact and say, oh, Kelly's really bad. He just had one of them games, which what most players in the world do. <laughs> it's normal for a player to have a bad game. Yeah, you struggle. I, I think I was really try- struggling to give you a, 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 the weakest player, to be honest. Um, and that was a good excuse to give you one because he scored an own goal. But mm. rest of the game, did he really do anything that bad? I, I, I'm yeah. not so sure. He wasn't too bad, was he? Mm, no, he wasn't. And he's he's done so well for us coming in for you know Sacco and and. And um, Tompkins. Tompkins, that you you can't criticise him exactly. Really. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a brilliant backup centre back for us, really. So I can't, I won't I won't say anything. About and him. you didn't sign him as a centre half, of course. You signed him as a right back. And if Aaron Wambasaka hadn't emerged in the way that he has, he could be operating in that role. Yeah, he has played right back before for us. He's not mm-hmm. he's not your typical right back. He's just too big for right back. I just see him like he gives nothing going forward. He's just the best he could do just stay back and. Often nothing going out wide. He's so. not a bad player. You know, he's had one call up for England. Yeah. So yeah, he's an international it's, player. Whenever this <laughs> well, happens, I just go, international so, player. So, so is Jake Livermore. <laughs> Jake Livermore's got a few. Yeah, exactly. Jake Livermore's got how many? It's, it's more than one now, it's, I'm it's, pretty it's sure. It's about four, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's incredible. At least Martin Kelly's got only one. 
but yeah. yeah you got one yeah it's got and one and so did Andy Gray who we had on I mean, earlier he got one yeah I mean Wilfred Zuck for England Zuck. Jake Livermore's got seven that's a disgrace <laughs> oh that's so harsh just let him be man uh, but yeah um, with with um, Martin Kelly I think one is about right I think so yeah. he deserves that odd one but well, yeah. anyone else in that team who disappointed you no one really disappointed. Well, good. Me, to be we, fair. We'll be positive. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be positive. positive. We've yeah. done the losers. Who are the winners? I think I know who you're yeah, going to say. Yeah, He was just. He it's was fantastic. He, yeah, he was just brilliant. Considering that last week people were saying, "Oh, he's head not in the game and he wants to leave us," it just shows that he just had a bad game. That's it, and you could see what he does for well, us. On that point of his head not being in the game, it's a little small line in that clip from Mr. Holloway, which we which we heard earlier, where. It's only a slight line, but it's talking about that first exit from Palace when he went to United. And what Holloway says, just, just quietly, is that Wilf's head was turned all over the place, basically suggesting that he really wanted to go and he was getting interest from all areas and he was interested in that interest. If that is the case, and if he did that last time, is there a part of you that worries that come this summer, if, for example, a Dortmund or a Liverpool or a Tottenham were to start prowling, Wilfred would go, actually, you know what? I think, I think you know what? I think that's a good thing that's happened to him, in a way. Um, he's, he's had that lesson now where he went to a big club, it didn't work out, and he knows the ins and outs of how transfers work and he's experienced that firsthand. So when a big club does come for him, he knows that just going to a big club is not going to be, oh, I'm going to earn more money, I'm going to play Champions League football. It just, it just doesn't work like that. So no, I, f- I feel like it's a good thing that's happened to him and hopefully he can learn from that lesson. Yeah, he will do. He's more mature now and he, he'll realise now that it's not just all about the big club, the big signing, the money. It is to some players, not every player, mm. but to some players, um, they want to play 90 minutes of football every week. Exactly, and, and if, that's a big thing. To to if you've only got you know arguably ten years, twelve years, whatever, of a career, and you want to make the most of it, do you really want to go somewhere and sit on the bench for three or four years? And he's in his prime as well. It's 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 even bigger if he sits on a bench right now. If he goes to a big club and it doesn't work out, and he's sitting on a bench on his prime, that's just going to kill you. Yeah, he goes to somewhere, a big six club, and he goes there, and he's got to start from scratch. He's not going to be this big player character idol of their fans he's going to have to prove himself to everyone and he's going to have to do that every week the perfect example of that is Riyad Mahrez I was just thinking that who won PFA player of the year at Leicester highly highly rated Pep Guardiola was desperate to get him at City he was in for him for repeated windows eventually he did get him and there's pressure as well on Pep to play him because he is City's record signing and yet he spent most of this season sitting on the bench yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it really, it really annoys me because you get such good, talented players that go to these big clubs and they're just not used, and it's just a waste. And and if it if it were me and I was in that situation, I would I'd want to play every week. And I think that's how Wilf sees it. Yeah, but if you look at the big clubs as well, it's just it's the fact that they've got the money to replace you so easily every summer. It really does happen with with Mares. I don't see Mares being there, being at Man City next season. But do you not? I I really don't because I feel like he's just he's just so frustrated that he he would rather go to a team who may not be in the Champions League and just play ninety minutes. And do you not think he'll be determined to show that he has got it? I but mean, pretty some, embarrassing to some, go as a record signing and just back but off. But sometimes determination is just not enough. Where teams can just replace you like that. Man City's got the money to replace Riyad Mahrez so simply, and that could 
happen to players like Wilf as well. Let's say Wilf goes to a United, back to United, and he plays for one season and he has a half decent season. Next season, Man United may think, oh, you know what, we could get even better. Let's try go for, I don't know, Neymar off my head, like just someone else. But they can do that. They can yeah, get Neymar yeah. and they can replace you. And that's another thing that you have to consider just because you played well this season. It doesn't mean that next season you're guaranteed to start once again. So is what we're saying really that this is a case of be careful what you wish for for Wilfred Zahar? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, Whoever, whatever manager we get, if we do replace Roy Hodgson, Wilf will be in the first eleven every week. That's for sure. But you can look at other teams. I mean, off the top of my head, you know, Ruben Loftus Cheek. He doesn't always not always consistent at Chelsea. I know he has been recently. Yeah. But you know, he's not in the England team anymore. And, and if he'd have stayed or we'd have signed him at Palace, he'd probably be playing every week, and he'd probably be you know in the England team still. If you did get sixty seventy for Zaha, would you consider going in for Loftus Cheek? He wouldn't be cheap. Sarri likes him, and he's got this back problem. But would you spend a large chunk of it on him if you could? Well, he he's got a back problem because I was listening to it on the show the other the other day, and uh, the Chelsea fans really love him there because he's he's kind of one of their own, isn't he? Uh, different type of player. Um, I mean, he was brilliant, brilliant play that links up with Wilf. So for them complimenting each other was fantastic i certainly would would want to use uh, a significant amount of that money to to purchase ruben loftus cheek yeah it would be quite a signing the focus of course not just on bringing new players in is keeping old players and i've said it before i'll say it again wambasaka might be average but he has to stay this is love sport hey You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Howard and DR Kernaz of Back of the Nest. And we are underway in the night's Champions League action. They've just kicked off. It's Liverpool nil, Barcelona nil. Liverpool, of course, 3-0 down from that first leg. Now at home at Anfield, but missing some key men. Can they do it? No. <laughs> the quickest answer yeah, I've exactly. ever heard no they can't do it um, you saw it in the first game it's just the fact that Liverpool did play well but then again Barcelona don't need to play all that well because they've got Barcelona uh, they've got Barcelona they've got Messi and Suarez up top where you give them two chances two three chances and they'll score which did happen and now they're 3-0 down so I, I just don't see it happening really but there is an argument, isn't there, Dia, that Liverpool are not a normal football club when it comes to Champions League action. They do have previous, on this count, of seemingly impossible Champions League comebacks. Barca, of course, have done it themselves against PSG in the mm. last few years. It's a competition where you can come back from the brink. James, do you similarly think they've got absolutely no hope? I think it's going to be the shock of all shocks if it does come off. I mean, you have got Anfield on an evening to European football going yeah. back years. They are exceptional at home and can be uh you know um i i just i just think that the, this barcelona team is just too strong uh, exactly. they're, they're not going to do it no. they just need one barcelona just need one chance and that's it game's done they need we need to score four goals then it's just i don't, I just, I don't see it happening at all but equally if liverpool get one early is there any potential for rattling barca um no. i think the only thing that liverpool should look forward to is really that you look at Barcelona's performance at Old Trafford, it wasn't that great. Barcelona tend to be 
worse away from home. So but equally, Lionel Messi loves a goal against an English club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see it being a 2-1 or a 3-2 or a 4-3, but, but um, they just won't, because of the three-goal advantage, it, it's just too much to, exactly, yeah. to, to come over. Yeah. And if Liverpool had an away goal, I think we'd be feeling quite differently about this yeah. because it would give them a lot more leeway. But it's going to be a tough, tough ask for Jurgen Klopp's men. We'll bring you updates throughout the show of that game. And it's time to turn our attentions to a certain Mr. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I don't think we've ever done a Crystal Palace fan show, certainly under my leadership, <laughs> where we haven't discussed him, at least for some length. He's come out with some interesting comments this week. He said, I'm with Crystal Palace at the moment. That's where my contract is. And that is where I will be next season. Do we believe him? I don't like that bit at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I think eventually he, he will have to go. Is he's that good? Um, is eventually in three months' time? No, I, I, I would hope that he would. Someone like Wilf might put his arm around his shoulder and say, "Look, come hey, with me hey, to Man City." No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, hey, kid, I went at an early age, and it didn't do me any good. You need to get another couple of seasons under your belt, week in, week out football. Get in the England team, enjoy yourself, improve your game. I think there's still things going forward that he can improve on. Yeah. Um, as we know with Arnold. Um, he's he's a fabulous player going forward and crossing, and we we we'd like to probably see a bit bit more of that um, with our player. But um, I think hand on heart, I'd like to think that if he does go, it will be to a very very big club. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't see him going to even Europa League club. I think. Next set will be Champions League club really for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I don't see anything less than him. But in terms of my buying or not, I, I am because he's... Why why would he leave Palace in the summer? He's had a good season. I understand that he's got a huge amount of talent and can join the top six, top six side. But then again, as James said, Wilf has gone through it. Wilf can talk to him about it and he can say, look, it's not all... Sun, it's not all sunshine going to a big club is not amazing so I think Nick, I, I just don't see him leaving in the summer really I just don't Do you look at other examples of players who've publicly come out and declared their love passion support and patience for a club and then jump ship five minutes later do you look at those examples and really worry because it is a cliche but some people see the declaration of fealty to a club as something of the kiss of death right we saw it with Fabian Delph where he famously said oh I love Aston Villa I'm the captain I could never leave this club I'll be here next season less than a week later Fabian you'd sign for Manchester City could you see Wan-Bissaka doing something similar it's possible it is, but I, I, I don't see it from Wan Bissaka. He doesn't seem like that kind of character. But then again, it is. I won't be hugely surprised if he does leave us because he has got the talent. So, and he deserves to play for a big club. But then again, I just don't see it happening this summer due to the fact that he's had one good season. Well, you didn't see yeah. a Liverpool comeback happening oh, either, no. <laughs> and it is on. Some of us <laughs> believed, and it is Liverpool one, Barcelona nil at Anfield. It's quite extraordinary. Even more extraordinary, the goal scorer. Who do you think it'll be? Which world class star? No, none of them. Divica Rigi. Well played, lad. <laughs> Liverpool won Barcelona nil. And if they do this, it will be quite some story. It's not happening. <laughs> You're still I'm not still, having yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's not happening. I'll tell you what, if they'd got an away goal and they'd scored that, now it really would be on. But still, yeah. updates throughout the game. I promise I won't get too excited. I 
can't promise that at all. It's like Wan-Bissaka, really. Promise I won't get excited. Promise I'll stay at Palace. I'll be jumping on the table. He'll be playing for Man City. Yeah, I'm just... I can't believe Liverpool scored so early. I'm still in shock. I yeah, think that's brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with 3-2. To Liverpool, but we could have a game of football on our hands, couldn't we, gents? We'll have to keep our eyes on it closely while we're talking about Palace. This isn't only his club future that Wan-Bissaka has been talking about this week, because he's come out and said that he will reject any bids, as it were, from the Democratic Republic of Congo to call him up for their senior squad. He has, of course, got one cap for them at junior level, but he said, "Listen, my target is England." I want to play for Southgate England. Firstly, for me, as an England fan, not a Palace fan, what a relief. Because yeah. he looks a fantastic player and we have to have him playing for England. Do you know, I don't you know, I think a lot of players now want to play for England because we're doing well as a as a nation, you know, mm. semi finals of the World Cup. Um we are playing decent football at that level and for young players coming through, it's not the old England of past where they're not really getting past the group stages or yeah. just in the next round and getting knocked out by Iceland. You know, this 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 England team is is a very, very good team. So so yeah, absolutely. If 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 he believes in himself and he knows that he's arguably the best right back in the country at the moment, so he should be in the England team and he should be wanting to play for England. But that believing in himself is the very interesting point here. Because we've seen it before with very highly rated young players who are eligible for England it takes quite something to really back yourself. And at a young age, still a kid, go, no, I'm going to play for England. We saw this with Declan Rice, who, of course, has now declared himself for England, but he played a few games for Ireland. Wilfred Zahar, of course, played a few friendlies for England, then decided to play for the Ivory Coast. This shows two things from Wan-Bissaka. The first is extreme confidence, which I think we have to respect. But the second is extreme ambition. This is a kid who at a young age, with only a few appearances for the under-21s under his belt, was saying, no, I'm not interested in the African Cup of Nations, not interested in any of that. I'm going to be an England player. Now, I personally am going to put my cards on the table here and say, I think you only come out and say that if you're fully confident that you are, or you certainly fully believe that you're going to nail down that right-back spot for your nation for years to come. If he's that confident at international level, if he's that ambitious at international level is he going to be that ambitious at club level and is he going to hang around at Selhurst Park yeah I was going to say the problem is is that if he does get into the England team then he's going to be chatting to other players that are in the top six but it'll be more expensive you can go well he's an England international that's another 10 million quid please yeah that's that's the flip side of the coin Um, but he still needs to establish himself he needs to have half a dozen decent games at England level just to prove himself and he's still learning you know he's 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 only had one full season and yeah he's yeah. done exceptionally well he's player of the season he's he's been voted in the premiership team of the season by some pundits he needs to just probably you know do what he's doing get his head down focus on his own game and just take one step at a time because otherwise things can easily go very, very wrong very fast. Exactly. I think he, he he should be that confident because he has backed it up with his performances. He is that good that it's good that he realises he could play for the England team because the way he has been playing for this one year, like he's been rumoured with all the big clubs. So, yeah, I think 
it's good that he has said that he'll play for England, but then England needs to be nice to him as well in a way that you can't push his limits and just actually select him for England because he actually deserves it. I know he hasn't been selected in previous um, squads, but then again, I think in the, in the next at least one or two squads, he should be at least selected for England. He deserves to be. It's a difficult one because don't, you know England are not losing games, so Southgate's got a problem. He doesn't want to drop players that are playing well for his team. Uh, so Gareth has got to be very careful that he is, if he's going to replace someone, that he does it uh, generally for the right reason. Oh. So he's got to have a good look at him. I'll go and say just drop Trippier. I've always, I, I, I just see Wambisaka. I know Wambisaka's got the age, age advantage and his game, as we talked about, he's still got places, he's still, he, he can still improve. So, I would just say go and drop Trippier and put Wan Bissaka in there and let him just get grip of the squad and you know be around the players. Well, Dr, you're as confident as Wan Bissaka is, which is <laughs> nice to see. The question is another factor of trying to keep players is, of course, paying them enough money, paying them their worth. And coming up here on the Crystal Palace Fan Show, we're going to be having a bit of a look at the wage structure at Palace and seeing who's getting what they deserve and who might be thinking, "Hang on a minute, he's worth more than me." Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. Money in modern football is a very, very hotly debated topic. Many fans look at it and go, you're paid how much per week? That's repulsive. And I imagine that debate translates to the players as well, where actually if you're a player who's performing perhaps above your reputation, you're not on as much money as your teammates, it must be difficult to watch others on more than you. And the Crystal Palace squad perhaps isn't quite as balanced as it could be, DR. Yeah, and we've got people who is coming towards the end of their contract. So we have to, I think it's only right that we look at it and see who we should keep and who we should get rid of. Is based on opinions, of course, James may disagree with me, but should we start with the players that have one year left and just go through it like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Jason Punchin, last year's last year of his contract, 32 years old. What do you say, bin or keep? Uh, I would, yeah, I wouldn't. I would let him get get him rid of him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so as well. He's he's a, he's a player that, with all due respect, I know he's Mister Crystal Palace and one of our own, whatever people say, but he's not going to put on a decent shift in the Premier League squad. And he was on loan at Huddersfield, and that didn't go well. So yeah, Ben Ryan Innes is. I found it incredible that he's still at the club. To be fair, he's he's still contracted at Palace, and it is his last year. And I think that's pretty much a simple one. A Ben situation as well. <laughs> Will yeah, I, I haven't yeah. seen enough of him to be honest. Exactly, yeah. it's crazy. He's twenty three years old, and he's still. I, 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 I don't understand. Has been in this position to be fair. Suarez, that's the tricky one now. I think Papa Suarez, he's a left back, and before his injury, he was very good, and we haven't seen really much of him lately as he had that shoulder injury. But um, when you say injury, Dr, this wasn't just an injury. This wasn't a footballer's injury. This was one of the most catastrophic car crashes you could conceive of. He did come back though. He did, and, and he played not, the game, and he got a shoulder be injury. The same player, are you? But he had a shoulder. He looked decent. He didn't look like he couldn't play football when he was playing for us in the cup games. He had a shoulder injury. I'm not too sure who was against him. Yeah. It might have been Grimsby at home. Yeah, beginning of the year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but then again, we need competition, and he could be. He's 28. You know he's not. He's not. He's 28, and you know, he. What what needs to happen is, yeah, when he was fully fit, he was a very, very good player. Um, 
I think we're going to have to, to. It would be one of those players I'd say, yeah, keep, but loan him out for half a season to get him to match fitness. So maybe a short term contract. Just see how he goes, if he's fit. But I haven't heard anything about his fitness recently, have you? No. I think he's done for the season anyways. I don't mm. think they want to risk no, it. But no. it'll be interesting to see what it does, at least in pre-season. Is there anyone in this Palace squad, and we won't discuss the figures in detail for obvious mm. reasons, but who, having perhaps had a glance at them, you believe is drastically overpaid? Okay, so if you're talking about overpaid players... Um, there are a couple which surprise me, to be fair. Of course, we're not going to talk... We can't mention figures. Um, but Connor Wickham, uh, he's one which... He hasn't played that many games. He's been injured for the last three years, it seems like. I know he's, he has come on and played like one or two games and gone off injured. But he, I wouldn't count him as playing, really. And that's players like that, we just can't... We're, we're in a position where we can't wait anymore. I feel you know, like we, we need to move on. I know Conor Wickham is always so injury prone and it's so frustrating because he came on and played against Tottenham in the cup and he got a goal and he's just so lethal in front of goal. But it's so frustrating because he, believe you or not, he's still only 26. So if he got himself up to full fitness and we actually got a proper season out of him, he could be so valuable to us or so valuable to sell on to another team. And I think that the age of a player is, is you have to take that into account when we're assessing these players and think, you know, do you really want to just get rid of a, a guy that's 26 because he's been a bit injury prone? However, I have to say, it does seem to be going on and on and on. And we are wasting a lot of money on wages on a guy that isn't really playing for us. Exactly. I think with Conor Wickham, I was in the same thought as you. And he is a decent player when he has played, but... I've come to the conclusion that he doesn't play as much. So it it really doesn't matter if he is decent, if he's not going to play. And I just think the position that we're in right now, we just can't waste money on players who is not going to influence the squad in any kind of way. And if you're looking at Conor Wickham, yes, he could get the old goal or two, but then again, he gets it every six months or so. It's not like he can get, you know, he plays in, uh, he plays every week. He just doesn't. And it, it comes down to that. We can't really... As harsh as it may sound, I like Wickham as his game, but he, he, the money that we pay him is not really worth it because he doesn't play. Are there other players in that squad who you look at that list and go, you know what, that's overpriced? Yeah, I, I, I obviously I, I look at Benteke and yeah, Benteke. I think everyone knows that we all know it's the obvious, but it has to be said. And is last year of his contract as well? What do you yeah. think? I'll tell you what my view is, and, and I spoke to Joe, I messaged Johnny the other day um, because he was doing the championship show and they were talking about which teams want to go up and I think I said Derby, but actually on reflection, I'm going to change my I'm mind. I'm with Villa. I'm going to change my mind. I want Aston Villa to go up. Because and if take Aston, If back. Aston Villa go up, they'll be given <laughs> millions to spend and their fans absolutely love Benteke and they would have him back tomorrow. But and I think we can get some decent money from that. But I, I love that as an idea and you're spot on with the fans. But Dean Smith, the kind of manager he is, the kind of football he liked to play, certainly at Brentford, this quick, creative, flowing stuff with a Neil Moore pay up front. I'm not sure his dream is a lumbering Belgian. Maybe not, but fan pressure... 
Damn pressure. You know. And with the target man in Tammy Abraham, that has been working. But I think Abraham's probably a bit smarter than Benteke. I like Tammy Abraham. I do as well. I watched him at Bristol City because I think I mentioned to you guys I was contracting working in Bristol for a few mm. years. And I used to get to the odd Bristol City match. And so I saw him in his championship days. And I and another guy who was a Coventry fan, we used to go together as neutral. And Tammy Abraham, I would I would definitely have him at Palace. So if we if they go up and we can do a deal, I'll be more than happy with that. Yeah, I think so. With Ben Teke, it's a bit of a tough situation you're in because he he's, he hasn't got that. I think he's got a year left in his contract. And if he if he goes if we don't sell him now and we want to sell him in January, his value automatically decreases because team can get him for free. Why would they pay, let's say, twenty million or twenty five million when they could get him for nothing? So the club's got a big decision to make in the summer in terms of keeping Ben Teke or not because he's on a lot of money. And if you're looking at if you're looking at his performances and the goals he scored, he hasn't been. I don't think he it matches his wages that's given to him. No. I, I would, I would get, I would let him go. To be honest with you, because I sometimes you can say, and I know we had Neil Shipley on the other week, and I, I, I totally agree with him. You know, there are strikers that have a bad spell where they're not scoring goals, but they still have to do the bread and butter, run the channels, hold the ball up, win the free kicks. And what Neil was saying is that, that Ben Teke is not doing that. And what happens is that he doesn't hold the ball up. He doesn't run a channel. So it just puts pressure on our defence time and time again. And it is causing us big problems. Now, I think some people at the club are just trying to hold out and trying to get a decent value for Ben Teke. But I think we just have to cut our losses at the end of the season. Mm. I, I agree. Talking of Ben Teke, his former club, Liverpool, are in action in the Champions League and another Belgian centre forward has given them the lead against Barcelona it's Liverpool 1 Barcelona nil at Anfield Barca of course leading 3-1 on aggregate but if Barcelona could get that away goal they would put the tie to bed that said Liverpool have done this before could we see another glorious European night this is love sport at Anfield You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, and that tune can mean only one thing. No, DR has still got all his clothes on, but it is time for four-word reviews. Yes. Should I change my voice to it? Yeah, please. All right. Dan of the South. Actually fun to watch. Jason Matthews. Are you blocked teammates' goal? He did as well. Mark Drew. Wish Brighton had gone. <laughs> Mark Cole, no more PVA, please. James Goodman, we relegated another team. Michael Johnson, Brighton down next year. Mr. Cadbury's Parrot, nice link up play. <laughs> Palace Ash, the same forward, but I'll still read it. Only need three. Only need three what? Hmm. Gordon Bennett, they owe us one. <laughs> they do as well. Yeah, Henny 1984. Atmosphere was very strange. Paul, another great away day. Let me go back. Judge, Cardiff dead before kickoff. Rickus, never in any doubt. Colin, that was quite easy. Hmm. Headhunter Pro, why did we help Brighton? <laughs> and I'll end it with Stuart 
breathtaking counter-attacking football. Right, thank Lord for that. They're done. The voice can go. <laughs> I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> the music can go as well. Talk to me about the atmosphere at the game. We were hearing from one of our forward reviewers there that it was a little bit odd. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there, of course. Um, I had to. I had other responsibilities. But <laughs> from watching it watching it um, on TV, it, uh, it, it just didn't sound like it was a game where Cardiff had to win based on atmosphere. It was just very... I don't know, it was very quiet until the last 10, 15 minutes where they were already down. I found it very weird, to be fair. Do you think they were kind of resigned to it? Do you think they knew coming into it that because even if they beat Palace, they'd have to go and beat United, that they were already gone? Yeah, they they seemed a bit nervy, didn't they? And uh, I mean, I could hear the Palace fans throughout. Yeah. Brilliant away from home, aren't we? But uh, yeah, the, the Cardiff fans are kind of probably resigned to the fact that, yeah, the unlikely to to be and i think we started off on the front foot quite positive and we're playing some really good football and their heads cardiff fans heads dropped quite early on i still found it weird though i just uh, all right you you may think that you have no chance but at least try and encourage your players like if it was palace i wouldn't expect us to be like that in a game in their situation we would just you know be loud as we can and that it'll probably be the best atmosphere of the season. Whereas with Cardiff, it seemed like they didn't really believe in their players, and it's not good from the kickoff. If you're if you're not chanting, if you if the atmosphere is dead, it's it's what's the players? What are the players playing for? You have to show them that they care. Absolutely, and of course, a couple of those other forward reviews focused on a certain other team whose name we don't like to say more than we have to yeah. on this show. Brighton, who of course you did save as oh. part of the process of beating Cardiff City, does that upset you? Is there a part of you that thinks couldn't we just have rolled over? You know what? Not really, due to the fact that I still don't think Cardiff would have stayed up even if they beat us. I think goal difference-wise. If it was a bit closer, for instance, then maybe I would be a bit upset. But I just don't feel like Cardiff would have had a chance anyways in the last game of the season. So I'm not that upset. But of course, we mathematically, they were safe due to us beating Cardiff. So that's, of course, disappointing. Yeah, I think it would have been nice to have seen them have to go to the final game and suffer that, you know, last 90 minutes of the season to, to keep themselves up. But uh you know, I want us to win every game, as I've said before. I don't care who it is. I'm not going to do anyone any favours. Um, football's a winner here. Uh, you know, nobody rolled over for anyone. If we were in that position, we'd expect the same. And I would hope that if the roles were reversed, that Brighton would, would want to win. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking forward to next season. The rivals are going to be there. And I'm looking forward to getting revenge. So, of course, <laughs> you've, you used the word revenge there for a reason, James, because you faced Brighton three times this season. All of those have been a 2-1 defeat. Are you apprehensive about taking them on next year or are you determined to turn that record around? I'm worried. I'll just come and... I'll, I'll just admit, I'm just worried because the way that we lost against Brighton, we were just outmanaged tactic. Like, tactically, it was, that's why. because We had the ball, but we couldn't do anything really with the ball. And I feel like it will just be a similar situation next season where unless Roy changes it up, I just see Brian just outmanaging us and I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, we've got to do something about our home form, that's for sure. And uh, whether Roy does try out and 
continue with 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 forwards and not play Benteke and maybe that will work. And also away from him as well. It's in their game they had ten men and we still struggled massively. It seemed like we had ten men. It's just uh bright. I don't, I'll admit I'm not looking forward to it. We'll move on. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, won't, we won't put you through saying that word <laughs> yeah. anymore. We will move on and we'll do so with the Champions League update. Half an hour gone. It's still Liverpool one, Barcelona nil at Anfield. That goal, of course coming courtesy of Divock Origi. The score is still Barcelona 3, Liverpool 1 on aggregate. If Barca can get an away goal, it would probably put that tie to bed. But for now, as long as the sheet stays clean and the pressure stays up, Liverpool have a chance. Coming up for Crystal Palace, it's a game against Bournemouth and you'll be relieved to hear that you can win without worrying about doing Brighton any... This is Love Sport. ...favours at all. That's right, it's that time of the show when we turn our attention to Crystal Palace's next opponent and coming up is the last opponent of the Premier League season. It is Bournemouth and I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by Rob Meach who is a freelance sports journalist and of course a Bournemouth fan. Good evening Rob, thanks ever so much for joining us. When you look at this Crystal Palace team, do you feel confident as a as a Bournemouth man? I do, yeah. Um, Palace obviously have some very good players. Um, players that can hurt us. Uh, you know, we all know about Wilfred Zaha. But we've got a pretty good record against Palace, home and away. So I think most Bournemouth fans will be confident that we can go there and put on a good show. Hi, Rob. Uh, just looking ahead, what can we really expect from this Bournemouth side? I feel like we both haven't really got much to play for. Do you think you guys will change up a bit or do you think you'll put your strongest line-up and it'll just be a case of, let's see, uh, just attack versus defence, really? I think we'll play our strongest lineup. I mean, there's, you know, there's still a lot of money to play for, really. You know, there's two or three million pounds between each position. So I know if we win, I think we'll leapfrog Palace in the final table, um, and that could have a big say going into the the summer transfer window. So I think Eddie will look to play his strongest team and look to finish with a win. You had a strong start to the season. What really went wrong? Because you lot were, I remember watching. Uh, the game where we was at your ground and I remember you guys were around 7th, 6th, 7th, yeah. What happened? What went wrong for you guys to drop this much? Yeah, we had a favourable start, to be honest, with the fixtures. I think we took 20 points from our first 10 games and that, you know, that set us up. We've had a lot of injuries this season, particularly Mm. over the Christmas period. We lost Lewis Cook and Simon Francis to long-term knee injuries. Um, I think there was one stage a few weeks ago where all three of our left-backs were out injured. So, you know, we've been inconsistent because Eddie's been unable to field a, a settled side, and I think that's shown in our results. But, you know, look, hopefully we can get through uh, the start of next season, get all our players back, and we next season have some more consistency. As you say, Robert, you haven't been as consistent as you might have been, but there have been consistent, impressive performances from certain individuals in the side, not least Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Nathan Ake. Of course, at Premier League level, good performances of that sort don't go unnoticed. The vultures are beginning to circle. We heard rumours of a potential move to Chelsea for Wilson in January but Arsenal are starting to take a real look at Ryan Fraser. And when I talk to the guys on our Arsenal fan show here on Love Sport Radio, which is every Monday, 7 till 9, they were saying this week that they really want Fraser and they really want Ake. Are you worried as a Bournemouth fan that you're going to be spending the summer transfer window trying to bite off the big boys as you attempt to cling on to your star assets? 
Yeah, I think that's inevitable, really. I mean, the two players you mentioned, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, there's an issue at the moment with, with Ryan. He's been offered a new contract. Um, it's my understanding that he is he's turned it down and he doesn't want to sign. So whether a club comes in in the summer or Ryan just runs out his contract, I'm not too sure. I think it would take a sizable bid to prize Ryan away. I know Eddie Howe thinks so much of him, and I think he's got the most assists or he's level with Eden Hazard in the top five European leagues, so that shows how important he is. The same with Callum, you know. There's always a premium on, on English strikers, and Callum's done very well this season. He's had you know two serious knee injuries uh, in the last couple of years, but he's come back. He's strong, he's quick, and I think you're right. I think we will be braced for bids for him this summer as well. I'd like to um, ask you what your opinion is of um, the manager, you know, Eddie Howe. Do you, do you think that he could be uh, touted to maybe move elsewhere? Because, you know, I rate him very highly. Yeah, I think one day it's inevitable that he'll outgrow us. Um, Eddie's always said that as long as the club is moving forward and progressing on and off the pitch, then he's happy to stay. Um, and so obviously we're doing that. Look, we know the situation with the ground. It would be good to see some more going on with with that and a training complex. But, you know, he's been backed by the chairman. Eddie has full say over the transfers and all first team matters. And I think that's very important. I'm not sure he would work so well under a director of football. Um, so he has all the backing from from uh, from the chairman. And I think he's committed to the club. You know, he's, he played 200 games for us. Um, you know, he, the clubs are very, very important to him. He came back, obviously, from Burnley, who were a league higher at the time. So, yeah, one day I think Eddie could manage a top six club. I think potentially Arsenal or Tottenham would be a good fit for him. But I also think that he's, you know, he's just 40, 41 years, years of age. He's got a long career ahead of him still. And I don't think he needs to rush into a decision like that uh, just yet. Obviously, Rob, this story for Bournemouth so far has already been incredible. It's that old cliche of the fairy tale, but it really is that. But what's the future? Because Howe's done so well to take Bournemouth from the bottom of League Two up to Premier League football. But the way modern football's going and the clout that the top, top teams have, not just financially, but with the pull as well, they have to attract players. Are Bournemouth ever going to be break, be able to break into that top six, their top four? Or will it just be a case of when you succeed, when certain players stand out, the Arsenals, the Cities, the Chelsea's just come and poach them? Yeah, I mean, I think that's we're in that same position that a lot of teams are. You know, Palace or another club like that. It, it seems very, very difficult, if not impossible, to break the monopoly that the current top six have. I think all Bournemouth fans, like myself, want to see is a progression year on year. Um, a victory at the weekend will give us our highest ever points tally in the Premier League, and that would be a, a magnificent achievement. You know, every season that that kicks off, the priority is to survive. We've done that in the four seasons we've had in the Premier League fairly comfortably. So I think we're seeing on the pitch, we're seeing those improvements, those gradual improvements. I think all Bournemouth fans would like to see uh, more improvements off the pitch, as I mentioned, with the stadium and the training complex. And hopefully that will come down the line. But it's very difficult to see how we could ever break into the, the top six. Perhaps a seventh place finish like Burnley managed a couple of seasons ago could be possible. But it's difficult. We've got so many clubs like ourselves trying to do the same thing. Uh, but what's the best you could finish for? I don't know. I think maybe seventh would be possible, but I don't think the top six is ever going to be realistic. Yeah, I was going to ask what your expectations would be for next season um, because we're kind of similar to you. You know, we probably wouldn't get into top six, but maybe, you know, 
targeting Europa League. Um, I want to know uh, at the game on Saturday, who do you think we should be looking out for with your danger, danger players on Saturday? Who do you think they'll be? Well, I think you, you know, we talked about Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson and they are the two that, that stand out and that's why clubs are interested in them. Obviously, we saw against Spurs at the weekend the performance from Mark Travers, who's really come from nowhere. I don't think he's been in a matchday squad at all. He's really he's our third or fourth choice keeper. He came in against Spurs, made four fantastic saves, really kept us in the game. And uh, that clean sheet allowed us, obviously, to, to nick to Nick with an Ake winner at the end. So I'd be very interested to see how he does again. Um, I don't think last Saturday was a fluke by any means. He's very highly thought of, but it'd be great to see him away from home under that sort of pressure, how he copes. And what's uh, what's your away support been this like this season? Is it pretty, you've been filling up the away ends at the grounds? Are, are they quite boisterous? What are they, what, what do we sort of, what are we going to expect? Yeah, they will be boisterous. I think we, our away, away support is generally pretty good, obviously, being a South Coast club, we have a lot of long trips away, but but Palace isn't too far, so I think we've sold out our allocation for what from what I've been told. And um, but there's always a very good atmosphere at Salas Park. I've been there a couple of times myself, and always enjoy going there. It's a fantastic old ground, and you know they're always the best ones to go to. So yeah, hopefully both teams will play with a lot of freedom. We'll see some good football. And Rob, the biggest question of all is whether or not we see that freedom. What's the score going to be? Are you predicting goals? I am predicting goals, yeah. I mean, there's always goals and Bournemouth are involved in both nets. So I think we could see a score or draw, maybe one all or a 2-2. One all or a 2-2. He's a confident man, up to a point. Not overconfident. I think really, Rob, you probably thought Bournemouth are going to win, but you didn't want to alienate the Palace fans. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate your time as well. Lovely to speak to you, Rob Meach, who's a freelance sports journalist and, of course, a Bournemouth fan. Interesting that he's predicting goals, perhaps defensive frailties in both sides. And we've heard the Bournemouth perspective, perhaps a little bit of anxiety about losing the top players. Where have we heard that before? This is the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And it's that time of the show where we look forward just with the panel to the next game. It's Bournemouth coming up. Are you looking for experimentation? Are you looking for a safe pair of hands? Are you looking, perhaps, to say goodbye to Wilfred Zahar? <laughs> you just want Wilf gone. <laughs> I don't, I, but I, I do want to wind you up here. So. Um, no, I just... I think in terms of um, money being potentially earned from this game, it, it, it could have a big difference. I, it varies from 19 million to 15 million, depending on where we finish. So I think in that point of view... I, it's only right that we play our strongest lineup and try get the most, uh, try finish the highest, uh, try finish as high as possible to get the best amount of money. I'd like to see us replicate what we did at Cardiff, the system, the players, and see if we can transform our away form to home form and say, look, okay, guys, you know, let's give it a go. Townsend on one side, Zaha on the other, two forwards, nothing, to, nothing to lose except for one place in the league. Honestly, I don't mind us losing 5-4. <laughs> like, I just want to be excited for once at Selhurst. It's just been so boring and yeah. I don't mind ending on high like 5-4. Just don't play no defenders, just all out attack. There is, of course, the question of the old man of Selhurst Park, Julian Spironi. He's been a sensational servant at the club. DR, you suspect, I believe, that his time at the club is yeah. coming to an end. He's been there for eons. If that is the case, and if he has said to Roy, you know what, I might hang the boots up at the end of the year, 
Would you start him at you the ripe old age of you 40? You have to. You have to. I don't care what game it is. I don't care if we were fighting for a top four, for instance, and it's the he's last game of the season. 40! But it's Julian Sperone. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's 40. You can't send him off like that. He has to play one last game at Soda Spark. Um, yeah, I would start him, man. If Roy doesn't start him, man, it is his last game. I'll be very upset. Yeah, it's a difficult one because there's obviously a lot of money at stake here. Yeah, I understand, but it's just like you have to consider the amount of times that Jules has saved us. Sometimes you just have to put money aside. He saved us. He, so the playoff it, final, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for him and his saves, then maybe we wouldn't even be in this position. Today, yeah, right? but he's not. He's not the player he was. Look at that <laughs> clangor that he did at Liverpool, and the last thing you want him to do is to come on for the last game of his career and pull off a clangor like that again but he, d- he had That'll a good performance against Tottenham at home he did but he's I think the memories are great let him be and we move we move on and if he moves on and leaves that's fine hmm. I just I just ah he has to start for me personally I just don't see it any other way aside from a geriatric goalkeeper are there any other changes you'd make to that lineup well we talked about it a bit earlier um Patrick Van Arnold, I think I would start him just due to the fact that I don't want him to overthink it. I feel like if he if a player overthinks it, it could end up being much worse. And if that happens with Van Aanholt, do you really want to send him off in the summer? When over- you say overthink it, do yeah, you just mean because he dropped him. He's not wanted at the club. No, no, you drop him and then you just overthinking his performances and he's like, oh, I could have done that better. And then his performances get even worse next season because he's finished the season thinking that, oh, he might not start next season, etc. So I feel like just start Patrick Van Aanholt, Van Aanholt, just let him play, no matter how good or how bad he plays. And, yeah, that's one thing that I'll do. I don't know about Yeah, you. no, I agree with that, actually, because he's more he's a more of an exciting player, isn't he? Going forward, it'd be more attacking. He's got goals in him as well. So if we're saying to, you know, let's go out on a bang, let's give the fans a bit of a show, we've got nothing to lose, um, then... You're looking at putting PVA at left back, definitely. Um, I just, as you say, I just want some entertainment for once exactly. at home. Yeah. Also, yeah, Patrick <laughs> Van Aanholt, we always say that he can't defend. That would be a good thing, <laughs> like but for once. Do you not have an anxiety about Bournemouth, though? Because we've seen them get demolished this season, but we've also seen them take very, very good teams, the likes of Chelsea, to pieces completely. So you wouldn't want to end the season getting spanked 5-0 by Ryan Fraser. I don't think that I don't I just don't see us losing five. Just Roy Hodgson, the way he sets up his team, it's never going to be five nil. It might be a like four three or five four or whatever. But I don't see us losing five nil. And even if it did happen, ugh, I just I don't think Paddy's fans will be that upset. Just, we're used to it now. Are you expecting and I'm not the question I'm asking here to be clear is not are you expecting Wilf or Wan Basaka to leave, but are you expecting them? either of them to interact with the fans at the end of the game in a perhaps slightly unusual way no i'm not i, I think they they're professional they yeah they'll just do this general lap of honor but i can't see them you know going off and waving to the fans as if they're going to move on or leave i hope not anyway well, but, but if you're yeah. wilf and you think there's maybe a 40% chance of you going would you not want to make sure that you had perhaps paid your respects if not said your goodbyes uh no, I'm just happy just to do my normal thing yeah. and, and him do his normal thing. I'm, I'm not overplaying the situation at all. It okay. felt like that with Kabai last season in the lap of honour. It seemed like you could tell by his reaction and how he was applauding the fans. 
it just felt like he was going to leave and he did end up leaving so it, it could give us a message of where the future lies but I doubt it I just I, I don't see Wan Pesaka leaving I've said this before I, and also Wilf is unlikely as well no matter how good he is we just value him so much so no, I, I wouldn't re- really look into it too much and are there any because obviously it is a free hit there's money there's money riding on it but the money isn't everything are there any youngsters you'd like to see featured because Roy hasn't seemed all that willing to experiment yet on the final day might he be persuaded I'm not too sure about the youngsters but there's a couple other players that potentially it'll be interesting to see if they start would he start Max Meyer back at home he didn't start against Cardiff I wonder if he brings him back into the side because what we know of that team just sit back at home so maybe his creativity could help us that's interesting um i wonder if that'll happen also bakary sako he came on against cardiff uh is he going to potentially start a game he might start we haven't really seen much of him so maybe give him a chance to prove himself in one last game so there are some players that could potentially start but uh, no youngsters coming to my head to be honest i don't think he's gonna suddenly experiment drastically on the last game of the season I think you're going to see the same 11 maybe not maybe PVA in as we say at left back that's about the only change yeah he hasn't done it before and we've been safe for a couple of weeks now so I don't really see much change or maybe just the one or two players really yeah yeah Got a half-time update for you from the Champions League. Still Liverpool 1, Barcelona 0. They've kept it tight so far. They haven't conceded that potentially fatal away goal. Can they do it? Two goals in the second half is a big ask. It's not impossible. 3-0 would be looking very hairy. But at this point, they're broadly controlling the game. They're looking relatively confident. Could it happen? There's always that chance. I've said this, but I just don't. I I personally don't see it happening. I just I just think Liverpool, but no, Barcelona just got so much quality that if Liverpool do end up scoring second goal and do push for the third, I just see Barcelona getting one chance and scoring, and then it's all over once again. We have of course seen moments in this game where Barcelona's quality has just been of a higher level than that of Liverpool. In the end, do you think that's going to shine through? The fact that they are Barcelona. Yeah, I expect them to be... They're my favourites to go and win this. The Champions League is theirs to lose, to be honest. With that, do you see this tie as a potential final? Because obviously Ajax and Tottenham Hotspur, neither of those sides are slouches. But you would pit... If you were pitting either of them against either Liverpool or Barcelona, you would have Liverpool or Barcelona as the favourite in any of those permutations of that tie. Do you think these two teams will be looking at each other and going, if I can just get past you, I've got a pretty good shot here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean you know, but on reflection, I mean, the, the, the game that Liverpool, the first game, 3-0, I mean, Liverpool actually played quite well. They had a, dominated yeah. the game. They passed it around and they were really quite on top. It was just unfortunate that they conceded the goals. That was the difference. It was just the goals. Messi. Yeah, it's the most important <laughs> one player. Yeah. But actually, Liverpool were were brilliant. I thought they were really good. Uh, just unfortunately, they couldn't score, and and Barcelona did. It would have been better if it was the final things. I know what you're saying, um, because it, it does feel like if you had to pick, these are probably the two strongest sides that's left in the competition. But equally, if we see a final that's between Barcelona and Ajax, between Johan yeah. Cruyff's two great clubs, <laughs> two of the great historic clubs in this competition that is arguably in terms of pedigree 
the best Champions League final you can conceive of. Yeah, they, for the headlines, it's good. But then again, I feel like Barcelona just got too much quality in their side. I, I just feel we, like Messi... We said that about Real Madrid. Yeah, we I know. said and, that about Juventus. I know, but I just feel like Messi, he's just another class. No, he, I agree. He, he's my favourite player of all time. And you just... In the Champions League final... I just see him just lifting up his game and they've got Suarez, of course. He just agitates everyone on the pitch. And he's a brilliant player as well. So I just think they've got too much quality if it does fall to that. But I, I, do, I do feel like Tottenham still got a chance though. It's not like, I'm not saying that Ajax is in the finals. Tottenham do have a good chance of progressing. They just have to get a one-away goal. Mm. Which well, they got a better, easy, cha- better chance than Liverpool have yeah, exactly, tonight. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, and they got Son back. It's so not all over. He's a key player. Yeah, he's massive for them. Very and, underrated. A lot of English clubs do tend to do quite well away from home in Europe, um, so we'll have to see. But I'm um, like you, I think it's a mouth-watering prospect to see Ajax against Barcelona in if, if they can get into the final, um, especially with the, the history they've got and the money that they've spent. Now hardly anything compared to the uh, English and Spanish clubs. Yeah, I know we said this a couple of weeks ago, but imagine Jairo Riedewald right now. Imagine his shoes. He's at Palace, <laughs> and he's not. He's getting no chance at all. Where whereas he could be at Ajax and potentially be at near enough Champions League finals. That's crazy. Shows how how crazy the game is. It is a crazy game, and I'm going to bring you back round to those comments from Ian Holloway, who of course spoke to Richard Lee and Patrick Christie's earlier on the Love Sport Drive Show, which of course runs Monday to Thursday with Rich, three thirty till seven. He said, "Listen." Wilfred Zaha can play for any team in the world. There is any team he would just slot right in. Do you think that's true? If we look at this Champions League tie tonight, is Wilf good enough for Liverpool? Is he good enough for Barcelona? I think he is good enough for any of those teams, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, he's got the skill. He he picks up the ball. He keeps the ball. He runs back. He defends when he needs to. He wins penalties nearly every other week. Uh, the only weakest part of his game is maybe is not as clinical, but then he, he'd probably be played out wide. If he went to someone like Barcelona or, or, or Madrid or, or Man United again or Liverpool, I think he would be, be brought in to be a wide player. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but you look at Coutinho, he's not the player he was. And just if you compare by name by name Coutinho to Zaha, it just doesn't sound right that we're comparing them like the odd fan that your casual fan will think, will, will think that we've lost the plot but then again Zaha is up there with the, the best the best in the in the Premier League I think in terms of uh, beating players and going past them and you saw Osman Dembele he came on uh, late in the game and he done nothing at all for Barcelona he just seemed like he was, I, was, I was shocked that that was Dembele so I feel like Zaha could go to one of them big sides and he has proved that as well so Mm. You're confident on his behalf. Aaron Wambisaka, of course, confident of ending up with an England cap. Lots of confidence at Selhurst Park ahead of next year. But it's that time of the show where I ask you for your score predictions. Firstly, what's going to happen in the Champions League? <laughs> oh, I think it's a 2-0 oh, Liverpool. They okay. might, yeah, they do us. So they'll nearly do it, but not quite. Yeah. And James? Uh 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1 Liverpool. So neither of you backing them to progress. And then the big one, of course, Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth. What are you saying? Oh, I, it's so hard to predict. Difficult. I just don't know what's going to happen. Um, 
I'm just gonna, you know what? A nil nil draw. <laughs> because no one no one is expecting that. And it would just be such a palace result to happen at Sellers Park. End the season with nil nil draw. No shots on target for both sides. <laughs> I'm going to go 3 2. All right. I really don't know who to. Yeah. Um, look, I'm going to go for 3 2 Palace. Um, I think that we're going to be, the pressure's off. It's going to be, uh, there's not there's going to be any heavy tackles. It's going to be a. Open game. They're all all going to be on, uh, looking forward to their holidays, and there'll be a few goals, I reckon. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, we're almost as confident as one Bissaka. Join us next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Is love sport. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.